Welcome to the PBNJ Podcast, where we talk about topics and issues relevant to the church today. Before we begin this episode, be sure to like, be sure to subscribe, and also share this. It really helps with the channel. We really appreciate it. And also leave a comment, either down below or through social media or through email, if that's your thing. We'll have the information in the description. Let us know what you think about this episode, and also let us know if you have any ideas about what you'd like us to talk about. And with that, we're glad you're with us on this episode. Let's jump in. All right, so let's move on to the next point. This is one of the very major things uh, that Job contends with. Um, and it's one of like the meta conversations where Job is actually critiquing a lot of the morality or the moral thinking that takes place throughout most of the Old Testament. So again, we've condensed this into particular verses. So we're not going to read the whole thing. This is a summary, sort of the highlights of Job chapter 4, verse 7 through Job chapter 8, verse 17, which is the next section, the next uh, concept being wrestled with here. So um, I'll just start the reading. This is going to be from Eliphaz's point of view. These are uh, portions of Job chapter uh, 4 and yeah, Job chapter 4 and 5, and then we'll, we'll get the rest and Jordan will read Job's response. And I'll put I'll try to put the references at least in the in the description of this, so if you want to follow along. So, this is uh, Eliphaz speaking. Consider now who, being innocent, has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. But if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. The lowly he sets on high and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Blessed is the one whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Job responds, Now you too have proved to be of no help. You see something dreadful and are afraid, but now be so kind as to look at me. Would I lie to your face? Relent? Do not be unjust. Reconsider for my integrity is at stake. Is there any wickedness on my lips? Can my mouth not discern malice? If I have sinned, what have I done to you? You who see everything we do, why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my offenses and forgive my sins? For I will soon lie down in the dust and you will search for me, but I will be no more. Then this is uh, Job's other friend, Bildad, who responds in chapter eight. Does God pervert justice? Does the almighty pervert what is right? When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. But if you will seek God earnestly and plead with the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Your beginnings will seem humble, so you're prosper- so prosperous will your future be. And that concludes the, the reading that we'll do for that section. So this is actually a pretty heavy idea because Job's friends are supporting a very conventional idea and Job is confronting it. And that idea is this, that people suffer only because they're wicked and people prosper only because they're righteous. And so what Job's friends are saying to him is this. You are suffering, Job, therefore you must have done something wrong. You are you are wicked, and you need to repent of that, and you need to seek God's forgiveness. 
and Jove argues with them and says, no, I haven't done anything. Like, I haven't done anything to deserve this. I understand what righteousness and wickedness are, and I am not wicked. So something's wrong here. <laughs> so Job is actually arguing against the idea that people suffer only because they're wicked and they prosper only because they're righteous. And that's a pretty big topic because the book of Proverbs, for example, is, I'm pretty sure, totally straight when it comes to that idea. It sets up the paradigm that if you're righteous, you're prosper. If you're wicked, you're suffer. And here's Job saying, actually, that's not always the case. Um, and so that's why he gets into an argument with his friends in this section. The implications for this are massive because if one is absolutely correct, then like the prosperity gospel lives and thrives uh, in a more than just a Joel Alstein takes your money sense, but in like a, it might actually be true sense, which is terrifying, but it also lends some interesting ideas to the idea and the concept of karma, right? Cause like ultimately what they're saying is you get what you deserve. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, who are we to question God's mm -hmm. justice? And you're right, Job's, <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, I couldn't keep a straight face when I have it read it. He's like, you have proved to be of no help, um, which I will find a way to say <laughs> um, to somebody in the next couple of days. Um, and he's <laughs> like, you see something dreadful and you're afraid, but now be so kind as to look at me and ask, and he makes them look at him, you know, instead of like turning away from me and saying I'm wicked or something, he's be like, would I lie to you? Like, you know me, like, you know yeah. what's going on. You know what I mean? He's like, so, and he asked him to reconsider, right? For my integrity is at stake. Like, hey, don't, don't say I did this. I didn't do nothing. You know, I'm innocent. And I just think it's a really powerful, really powerful section. And it makes me wonder a little bit about mm -hmm. the way we go about the implication, basically just to wrestle with the implications, which essentially are like, to what extent does our worldview of like the big stuff of like what we think justice is change the way we hear, we talk and understand people in that moment. Like if everything works out the way it's supposed to work out, then why is it that some people suffer? But conversely, why is it that we are never moved to help them in their suffering? Sorry, big question. Or what incentive is there to I mean, move to help them in their suffering if things work out the way they're supposed to? Are you asking like, if things always worked out that way, then what motivation would we have to help people? That's one Is of the questions. Mean? Yeah, yeah. There's several questions, I guess. I can ask a lot. But yeah, that's one of them for sure. I mean, if that's true, that the righteous people prosper and wicked people suffer, then yeah, I totally side with Job's friends in like pretty much everything they've said. Either just, you know, Job, be patient. If you haven't done anything wrong, then don't worry. It'll work out. Like, it'll be fine. Or I'd say, well, clearly, Job, you must have done something wrong. So you need to figure out what that is and you need to repent of it to figure out you know what the problem is and unfortunately like i have heard people make those claims like pretty tragic consequences like i know i'm moving like quickly into applications so i'm sorry if i'm derailing i can wait do you want me to just wait on this no let's go and, like, let's jump in man let's about? make it real that's the important All thing right. so i've actually heard of some women who I wish I was joking about this. Like they struggled to get pregnant, which is not an uncommon thing. It's actually a very common thing. And in their church group, like other people have said, like even other women have said, well, there must've been something you've done that's preventing you from getting pregnant. So like you need to repent and like figure out what that is. And like a lot of it comes from that interpretation of Job even, or that interpretation of scripture, which is like, you know, well, if, 
if you want good things to happen to you, then you just need to figure out your righteousness, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which would be a really bad application of that verse in this case. But like, if you're suffering, then it's just because you've done something wrong, like something's not right in your life. Like you've been, you're carrying some sort of curse or something and you need to figure out what that is. And unfortunately, that is a thing that's present in some context. I'm very, I've been very fortunate. I haven't been in a lot of those situations, but I know the idea is out there. And some people even live by that. They even say like, my life hasn't worked out the way that I thought it would. I seem to be suffering a lot of bad things un unjustifiably. Maybe I've done something wrong to deserve that. And I think maybe that's a more common application of that idea, right? Why is my life so difficult now? It must have been something I did. So well, more to the point, I think it asks another question. Like it, it kind of, it, in some sense, like it flies in the face of like our natural responses. Uh, ben and I were doing some pre-show prep and uh, this is a, a humbling story for me because it's embarrassing, but I had a friend that went to downtown Indy and got jumped. Just random street crime, took their walls and stuff, came to church and he was like beat up, like beat up. And a lot of people, including myself, said to him, why did you go down there? Why did you walk in that area? It's a bad neighborhood. And it was like his fault that like a group of people decided that hey, you, sir, look like you have money and I'm going to take it. It's not rightfully mine, but I'm just going to take it. And like, I'm sitting here like with some kind of like, I know better, you idiot. Like how, how, how could you have walked in that neighborhood and unsuspectedly been attacked when you were just trying to get food after a concert? How dare you? You know what I mean? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like how, but like when you, when you say it like that, like you kind of illustrate yeah. the point that like I was really off on that, or at least I feel like I was really off on that. You know, um, cause it never asks the questions of like, okay, so why, why should he be worried about walking in a neighborhood to begin with? Is it not an okay thing to just walk places? You know what I mean? Uh, also what constitutes a bad neighborhood? You know what I mean? Like it never asks the, it never lets us get to the point when we do that because it becomes a, a blame and like, you must just not do those things. It forces things to, it forces one to accept the way things are rather than question why they are that way. And if there's anything we can do to fix them, I think the relevancy and the power in that comes with the idea of like the way we are as Christians, especially when like the Lord says like, you know, feed my sheep, right? Like think about like the way we walk past homeless people. Denver has a really bad homeless population. I drive whenever I go on the highway, which isn't very much because I'm working from home. But like whenever I do go on the highway, like when I get off at the exit, it's a Yale street exit. Like there's, there's a, rotation of homeless people that like sit that corner and they wait and they just, they walk down the line all the way up to the exit and they come back down into like why the light after the light goes green, they just let people pass them and stuff and they just wait for someone to do it. I've never, I've never given one money. I don't carry cash. That's like a weak excuse, but it's true. I've never really done anything to help them. And to what, like, I just, I just think about it. Well, I mean, like, that's what they do, but like, I'm never asking like, okay, why, why is this person out here asking for money? Like besides the sign, like, what is it that like I can do to actually change these things? Is there anything that's a ta like a tangible action that I can take to fix it? Th that I, the question never occurs. In fact, usually what happens is it's like, oh, that sucks that they're homeless. I, you know what I mean? Like it just becomes one of those like games of like, I wonder what they did. I wonder if they're addicted to something. So when people say like, don't give them any money, they're just going to spend it on alcohol. Like, Okay, well, one, they're responsible for their own actions. So, like, 
yeah, I know you don't want to enable a problem, but dude, giving them $3 to buy a micro thing of Jim Beam's not going to hurt them any more than they're hurting at this point. <laughs> like They literally have no home and sometimes rarely any clothes that are whole. You know what I mean? Like, And you're at least giving them the possibility to have a moment of sobriety where they say, oh, maybe I'll buy dinner instead. You know what I mean? Versus, nope, I guess I'm just going to be stuck miserable in every possible way. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's a level there I think that we can get at. Maybe that's an arbitrary argument, but it never, like my point is if you just kind of like say it's your fault or like don't stop to ask those questions, nothing can change in a positive way. And sometimes change needs to happen. You know what I mean? I mean, geez, that's such a good point though. Like the attitude that we have towards others in assuming they're there in that situation because of what they did, not just circumstantially, not just something bad happened. Like we just automatically assume they're there for their reasons, right? I mean, sometimes that is true, but I think that's a really bad assumption that we can tend to make about people. Like, oh my goodness, how many times have I heard it where people talk about, yeah, the homeless guy on that corner and people just dismiss it and say, well, they're there because they messed up. Like that's, they're there because of their life choices and all they have to do is just make the right life choices and then everything will be fine, right? Well, they're there because of their wickedness. If they would just be righteous, then everything would be fine, right? Or like people who, are like in these, oh, geez, people who live in, you know, those neighborhoods or people who engage in those activities, which, okay, maybe, maybe that's a really bad example. But, but why? Like, why, why is it a viable alternative for drug dealers to deal drugs? But even just the assumption that we make that, that is that we assume everything happens because like people create their own situations that they live in. It's like, that's not always true though like in the story of job shows that because job didn't do anything to deserve that it just happened and i, and I know that like the common christianese critique is like well satan caused all that and that's why but in the story of job that's not what job is wrestling with he doesn't understand any of that that happened in the background job doesn't understand anything that the accuser did this he doesn't know anything that happened between the conversation of god and the accuser job is job's perspective is just he lost everything and now he's having to wrestle with that and his friends are blaming him for that situation. Job is the homeless guy in this context. Like he's the guy who's sitting on the corner asking for money and his friends are driving by saying, yeah, well, you did that to yourself. So why should we bother helping you when clearly you're not a very good decision maker because like it were your decisions got you. That's pretty unhealthy. I will say this, <laughs> particularly for build, because I'm trying to hear both sides because like, the point of a dialogue isn't that one's always right. One's always wrong. Cause sometimes like not everything Job, Cause like Job doesn't always even say anything meaningful. Sometimes he's just like, I hurt period. You know what I mean? Like in other ways I hurt. It yeah. does not feel good, but like build that to something really good. He, he, I thought this was really powerful. He's like, you know, like even like, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore things to your prosperous state. You know what I mean? Like your beginnings will seem humble, but so prosperous will the future be like, you know, he's just basically implying that like God can do those things. Right. Or even like when, when Eliphaz says like, blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the almighty. Like, like it assumes Job, Job's being corrected even. Yeah. But like, Hey, Job did something wrong and this is God correcting him. Yeah. And if, if, no, but you're not wrong, but if that, if that is factually true, so like assume that is factually true. Rather than ask the questions, because there's sure. two ways to look at this, right? This way is saying, like, if let's say that was an undisputable, everybody knew the fact, can't be debated. And like 
they're there helping Job out. And they're like, dude, I, I hear that you're hurting. Like hear it in a different tone instead of no, be better. Hear it in this tone, hear it this way. Like, Hey man, I hear that you're hurting, but like, man, like you may not know, but this could be a correction. Like don't despise it because this could lead to something so much better. This could be an opportunity, even though it doesn't feel like it. Now that's a really hairy place to be. It gives me goosebumps because I'm not going to lie. Like I don't feel very comfortable saying stuff like that because I think it's extremely patronizing at times, but provided, provided, right. That that is absolutely true that if you're obedient, like good things will happen. And if you're not, they don't, right. Then that, that might be a possible implication. Like maybe there's something that you don't know of. Like maybe it's something about your attitude or your posture. Maybe it was something specific about the way that you're treating your family that never seemed to be bad before. And, and now like the pipers come, you got to pay, you know what I mean? Like that's how it is, but now you can fix, fix that. And like, if that's the case, when you go back to doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, what you're already doing, like your prosperity is going to be like even better. You know what I mean? Like, like if that's the case, like what Eliphaz isn't saying isn't unreasonable in compassion, not compassionate, definitely, but not unreasonable, nor is it even like mm-hmm. unintentionally hurtful, like, or intentionally hurtful. It's, it's well-meaning like, Hey, like, dude, like I get it. Like, I hear you. Like, I, I can't change that. But like, if, if these are the, them's is the facts, man. So like, let's move forward together. Like, you know, let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think if you hear it that way, Eliphaz becomes less of a turd and same with Bildad. Um, but it, the point, you know, the point remains like, if that's the case, maybe Job's got something that he's got to wrestle with. Like, yeah, maybe there is some value in saying, okay, what am I, what are you trying to show me here, God? Like, what are, what are you trying to, what am I trying to learn? Like, what, if I, what have I done that has put me in this context, right? Can I take something from this? You know, um, I don't know that that's always a healthy place to be, but I don't feel comfortable saying that it's never, you should never go there. I don't know if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. I don't want to commit. I mean, no, you're right. Like, no matter what situation we're in, this is something that I personally do in my own life. Like, no matter what situation I'm in, I always assume there's something I can learn from this. Just construct a meaning from the experience, you know? Yeah. Not that I accept the situation as good or anything, but like, well, there's something I can learn from this. But also, you're right. Like, even towards the end of the story, this is another spoiler alert. Job actually does learn something from this, which comes at the climax of the story after God speaks. I mean, even while God is speaking, sure. Um, But it's also interesting that uh, Bildad and Eliphaz are totally justified in what they're saying, given the worldview that they're drawing from. Um, So yeah, in light of that, what they're saying does make sense. Like, okay, obviously only wicked people suffer. Job is suffering, therefore he's wicked. Like it, just the logic of that makes perfect sense. So yeah, like Job, get get your act together, man. I don't know if I'm like totally switching rails on you. I apologize if I am, um, but yeah, but it's personally for me, I find it hard to sort of justify. Oh, geez. This is where Job is tough. All right. I'm just going to be honest. Job's tough because his friends, like I said, at the beginning of this session, like they're not always wrong. Like they do say stuff that makes a lot of sense. And you're like, you know what? That's if that's true. Yeah, you're right. And Job does the same thing. And so that's where the real wrestling with Job comes. And I hate how we tend to simplify the message of Job and be it like, like Job's friends are right or Job's right. And his friends are wrong. It's like, there's so much nuance in this that I think speaks to even reality itself, which is that situations are not simple. Like when people are suffering, that's not a simple thing most of the time. Yeah. 
it's yeah. not always their fault and it's not always not their fault. Sometimes it is one or the other. Like sometimes that's true. If I wasn't looking where I was going, I stepped on the Lego and I left my own Lego out. That's pretty much always my fault. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't pick up, I don't have Legos, <laughs> but if I had them and I didn't pick them up and I stepped on one cause I left it out, like it's pretty much yeah. my fault. It's pretty clear cut. But like, you know, if I have a kid who's old enough to clean up and they leave a Lego out and I'm not looking where I'm going and I step on the Lego, the question is whose fault is it? The person that left it out or the person that wasn't looking? Well, a little bit of both, right? Like that's a, that's a real thing, you know, or on the flip side, you know, my son has a joke blindfolds me uh, to get, tell me he's going to give me a father's day gift. I don't have a son, but if I did, I hope he doesn't do this blindfolds me as a father's day gift. Um, and then like, puts a bunch of Legos on the floor and then like pushes me, right? That's just clearly his fault. Clearly not my fault. <laughs> no scenario. Like, oh, but that's the whole point is like, sometimes there's, sometimes you need to talk about the nuance. Sometimes it's pretty clear cut and that's okay too. And we can come that. So I don't want to make this sound like one of those, like, man, I'm going to take a dig at Joe Rogan. Like those like Joe Rogan things where he's like, well, objectively speaking, it's like, no, dude, like just take a side. Cause you're taking a side. Like It's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I'm not a big fan of Joe Rogan's podcast. I feel like he just takes a side to say it anyway. Uh, it's okay. You can pick a side sometimes as long as okay. you're willing to be nuanced, you know, as long as you're willing to like, at least hear it out. I think, I think when we get to the point where we're doing the ears and hands in the ears, la la la, I'm not listening thing. That's just a really unhealthy place to be. Um, and more to the point as it pertains to this specifically, right? Like, I think that it asks, it asks us to ask questions. And I probably lean more toward Job, if I'm being really honest, than I do to like build that Eliphaz because I have the benefit of the gospel. Sorry, Bildad. <laughs> I drew the the time time birth lottery. Um, I got post, post-resurrection post and you got pre-birth. So... Um, it is what it is. But my, my, my point is simply this, that I, I feel like there's some, the value comes with the idea from Bill Dad and, um, how do you say his name again? I'm sorry. I lost it. Eliphaz. Eliphaz. Yeah, I like an elephant. Eliphaz. However you want to pronounce it, whatever. Eliphaz. I like Eliphaz. Makes me sound like an elephant. Um, when Eliphaz and Bill Dad yeah. do say something on the lines of like, Hey, if it's true that like God's just, and like these things are happening, like you, you gotta be okay. like, you can learn something from that. You can construct some meaning from here and this isn't a bad thing. Um, I don't necessarily know that I think that God corrects people. Cause like, I don't know that I can say that in the same way now based on who I know of the person of God. But I, but I also think hmm. that it's not a, ever a bad thing to look at circumstances and say, okay, what can I construct out of this? That's productive and healthy. And like, what can I learn from this? Like, how can I be, how can I make the most out of it? Um, that's can be really patronizing point when that's the say all be all, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's not a, like, how is that a bad thing? You know what I mean? Like, how is that negative? And I, mean, I guess unless you learn the wrong lesson all the time, but if you're just constructing some kind of, okay, this is, this is tough, but it's going to help me get through the next thing. Like, I, I feel like that's at least at the very minimum, like psychologically pragmatic, right? Like practical, you're, you're telling yourself and creating a sense of like, I have some like mental toughness, some grit, some tenacity, I can get through tough times. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I have to feel like I have to like lay in bed all day and be miserable, even though I feel like laying in bed all day and be miserable. That's not my only choice. Like it's, it's taking some control and healthy ownership. You know, I, I don't think that's necessarily what Eliphaz and Bildad are getting at. I don't think that we can take them I don't know, Ben, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that we can take them in this particular scenario explicitly at their word because like it's fairly clear to me that in the New Testament that worldview is totally like 
not the primary backdrop to what's going on in like the Christian, like specifically Jesus and his teachings fairly clearly, in my opinion, really negate that strongly, <laughs> really, really undercut that idea. Uh, Cause if that was the case, why offer grace to begin with, but neither here nor there. Um, sorry. But do you get what I'm saying? Do I, am I making any sense? Yeah. But that's, but that's one of the things that the book of Job does is Job actually challenges the friends in this. So even Job itself says, yeah, this worldview is, it doesn't stand. It's got faults in it. And then the new Testament comes in as a correction. One thing I was going to say about Job is that it feels like he, he tends to be a bit like, I don't want to say ironic, but like critical and almost satirical at times. Like he's like making a mockery a bit about this worldview, like, no, you're wrong. And he kind of, he puts it in ways where it's like clearly like you're wrong, but I don't know that Job ever, or at least not in the, as far as we've read in the book so far with some of the highlights we've hit, he ever really constructs like a real alternative idea. He just merely tears down one. Do you think that's fair thus far to say? Yeah, it's true. Uh, Job, certainly at least at this point, um, not in chapter three, but after his first friend speaks, he does like he he begins deconstructing their idea of what they of what they're assuming is is right, and he's basically just disagreeing with them. But I don't think at this point he's he becomes a response. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't really construct his own idea. He responds to their ideas. Yeah, and so we don't like, and I think that's a valuable point though, because when you're reading Job, you gotta understand in light of that, that like, you know, he's not trying to build a positive. He's not trying to offer you like the actual answer. He's trying to get you to know, understand what the critiques are of the worldview and figure out where you land on it. Mm. Like, really have you do the dialogue. So that's that's the power of it, right? Like that's that's the meat and potatoes, right? Like like I uh, I likened it earlier to reading was this in pre-show or in the prep when I talked about the brothers Karamazov or something or like East of Eden. Yeah, that was in pre-show. Okay. Well, let's bring it in here. So like, you know, if you read a good piece of like classic literature or like, or like good fiction, right? A lot of the the value of the book comes in the conversations rather than what actually happens in the plot points. You may like it for the plots, but like, you know, one of my favorite things about rereading Lord of the Rings is like the conversations that like Aragorn has, like he talks to people and like, he doesn't believe that he's going to be this leader. And he kind of just has to take it up, take up the role after Gandalf spoilers move. Movies, movie's been out and the book's been out forever. When Gandalf is taken, you know, down by the Balrog, right? He has to become this leader, even though he didn't really believe in himself. He's like skeptical. And you get to see him through the next two books become the king that he becomes that saves the day at the end. Or like, and like, you know, the brothers Karamazov to be more clear about the dialogue, like that's inner dialogue. This one's external dialogue. You have three brothers. Nothing really that exciting happens in the book. There's not like a major plot. There's one, but there's not, it's not plot driven. It's dialogue driven. It's character driven. Like it's all about them talking and you're hearing Dimitri talk about like what it means to be like a centralist, right? Like just to live for pleasure. And like, this is the highest meaning of life. What else could it be? Because all that stuff is bunk. All that religion you're offering me is bunk. It just, it's restrictive. It's wrong. And then Alyosha tries to counterpoint. Alyosha is the one who's becoming a monk, like counterpoint, like, well, no, like this is what piety is. This is what honesty looks like. And then in kind of between both is Yvonne, who's an atheist, but also believes that the church is the biggest source of good because it provides a moral structure for the world. Um, and so like they all dialogue and argue with each other. And like the crux of the book is them basically sitting at the table and talking or one of them, like, like a big, like literally you're like almost 300 pages in the book. And like one of the main major plot points is that someone's delivering a letter. It's because most of the, con- the most of the thing is them just talking or even them going to the church to talk. And then the father 
comes in, the priest comes in to help them sort out their differences as a mediator. So he offers counterpoints too to their points that they're debating. And like the value of the book comes from the discussions and the questions that forces you ask, which is the crux of Job. And I think people think of Job in the Bible as like answer. You know what I mean? Like, here you go. Yeah. And it's not that. It's yeah. not that. Like the value of this book is the questions we're asking. So I'm sorry. That's why I wanted to ask and highlight that because we've asked a lot of rhetorical things. So don't don't think that like the like the things that we're suggesting about grace and all that, like, yeah, that may be true. That's us constructing positive cases. That's not Job. Job's not offering those. Is that, that fair to say, Ben? I wanted yeah. to be clear on that. Yeah, that's very fair. Job is, it's funny. It's almost like a book of deconstruction. It is a book. Yeah, I feel like it is to some extent. Yeah. I mean, it does It does certainly offer positive ideas. That comes through when you really start sorting out some of the other, because it doesn't do it on the surface. Ecclesiastes is more clear than Job is, actually, in that regard. Like, Ecclesiastes actually makes claims. Like, okay, this is where we should place, like, an asterisk and say, this is a good idea to hold. Job doesn't really do that. Um you really have to sort through the conversations of Job to figure out some of what the points are, which again is what l- wisdom literature does is it, it forces the reader to actually wrestle and to come to their own conclusion, which is not to say wisdom literature is open-ended, but it, it forces the reader to figure out what the conclusion is. And that's the real work of wisdom. And that's almost in a way that's how people become wise is by doing the work. You can't just give them a set of easy answers and say, this is wisdom. And then expect someone to be wise by that. Like they actually have to reflect and wrestle and engage. But yeah. And that's a lot of what Job does, which is, I think is why Job is a difficult book that some people just don't want to wrestle with because we've been taught that Job is this very simple story. And so we just don't know how to handle it. I'm not saying people who read Job and don't understand it are stupid. That's not at all what my point is. My point is how we've been taught to interpret Job has led to us being able to understand it. But that's a meta conversation about the whole book of Job anyways. So sorry. (laughs) That was a bit of a tangent. A little off topic. No, it is. Uh, Ben, you had another thought you were going to offer. So one of the things I've been thinking about lately, especially in light of this conversation with Job in this section, is uh, that sometimes I wonder if we own responsibility in situations where we actually don't like we're not responsible. It's like we assume if we're in a situation where we're being hurt by someone or we're being wronged by someone, we must have done something to cause that. And that in some way they're justified in their feelings toward us. And like we internalize that. That's sort of like how you how you put it. And I don't know if there's anything there to chew on or if that's just me saying it. That's something that I realize that we do because I don't know, we're cathartic. And so we we like being able to reconcile and one of the easiest ways to reconcile is just to admit, you know what, something I said or something I did caused your feelings or caused the situation to be what it is. And so I'm just going to bear responsibility for that on the face of it. And sometimes it's actually not justified and maybe it's wrong that we just would automatically assume that I did something to cause this. I don't know. And that we unjustifiably and unfairly carry guilt within us. That's just not based on reality. Or I don't know, maybe that's a hard way to say it, but. Yeah, I I got some thoughts. No, like the internalization of these external factors and like these are these things that are bad are a consequence. And I, so to some extent, I think the internalization, that phrase I'm using are internalizing those things. Like 
implies that those ideas came from somewhere else. So if you're saying that like you have these ideas inherently, you know, but I don't know from whence those came, that's difficult. Um, I would say that they're probably imprinted on us, probably from us seeing the world as if we were Eliphaz and Bildad. Um, and it's just kind of the world we grew up in, the context we grew up in. So we just assume that like, it's okay. Um, I was thinking as you were saying things like the over apologizing, I got so much crap for that as a kid and I still get a little bit, but I, uh, I make a joke with my dad sometimes. Cause when we come out here, people like cut you off and don't say anything. And I was like, I miss the Midwestern way of apologizing for looking at you funny. You know what I mean? Like just like the, the niceness of it, <laughs> like, Oh my bad dude. Uh, that doesn't happen out here in Colorado as much. But my, my, my point is that like, yeah. Like there's a, there's a culture in the Midwest of like apologizing for simple things that aren't important, you know? And like the idea is like, Hey, I'm, I'm just being aware of your feelings. I'm just trying to be like apologetic. So I was like, Oh, Midwesters are so nice because we are anyway. Um, the, the main point that I'm yes. actually getting at though, is that I think that like that, that happens to us and it's like kind of put on us and it's the culture we grew up in. So like, you know, let's go back to my friend that I got jumped when he went to downtown Indy after a concert, you know? In his mind, he, if, if he grew up in a culture that said like, hey, you don't go to bad neighborhoods and if you do, you deserve what happens to you, right? Like his thought would have been like, gee, this is my fault. I, I made a really bad choice. This it, it becomes a consequentialist thing. Like I need to make better choices. And it's like, the, I, it never allowed, and this is the same thing that we critiqued with the other things. And I think it's fair. It never gets a person to the place where they ask, why is this the way it is? It just allows them to accept it and then put the blame for the problem or the pain right onto some kind of simple, in my opinion, simplified answer. And in some ways I feel like it's a really defensive psychological position. It doesn't allow us, like it allows us to do something easy. Like, Oh, I can bear that burden. It hurts. And it's painful, but I can do that. And that's more convenient than like dealing with, you know, the reality that like people just are going to hurt me because you know what I mean? Or the worldview that like, Hey, maybe like not everything's going to work out perfect and what that might mean for me in other ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. I never thought about it like that, that it's, it's trying to provide a simple response to a complex situation, just in the opposite way of blaming everything else. Cause like the simplified way of like what Bill or what Job's friends are doing is they're blaming <clears throat> Job's hardship on him and as, as though like that's a simple solution and that's an easy way to solve it. Well, Job, this is all your fault. Um, but at the same time, the inverse is just as much of a mistake, which is to say like, well, no, none of this is my fault. Well, like, well, that's a mistake too. Well, it depends on the situation I think is fair. Right. But like, it doesn't allow us to actually wrestle with, but why did all this happen? Like rather than jumping to conclusions. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I don't know. No, I, I think you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to be, I just wanted to make sure that the caveat that like, well, it depends a little bit too. Cause like, that's the point it, like, and I think that's what Job's question is, is, is like, why are we not asking why, why is God allowing this to happen? Yeah. Why, you know what I mean? Like why, why can I do all the right things and this happens to me? Why can you not? Cause it's not on right. stated record that Elphaz and Bildad were, you know, blameless like they weren't necessarily, at least it's implied that they're not because they don't get that title, yet they're not losing their entire families mm. and cattle and how livelihood. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and they have like the audacity to be point. like, hey man, you got some secret sin we don't know about? You know, like, <laughs> what you been doing on <laughs> the side, buddy? You know, like, yeah, but like it never, like they can't even ask the question of why. Like they might be like, oh, you're right. Like if he's a better person than me and these bad things are happening to them, like, 
Maybe that's not how it works. Instead, they have to ask for an explanation. And it, in some sense, it feels, I wonder, and I don't know, because we don't know anything about them, if it's like a defensive posture, like, gee, he must have done something really bad in private. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this dude must be sketch, you know? Like, I'll question his integrity <laughs> than, rather than question mine, you know, or my or the way I see the world. Right. I don't know. Maybe that is where they're coming from. Maybe it's not. There's, I think there's a couple different ways to read it, to be really candid with you. But um, I think it's kind of the point of the book. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the PBNJ podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to leave a like, also leave a comment, subscribe and share. That'll really help us out and let us know what your thoughts are on this subject. And also, if you have any ideas of topics you'd like us to talk about, if you want to reach out to us, you can on all of our social medias, as well as email. You can email us at official.pbjpodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next time.